Well, greetings in Jesus' name, and since I didn't do that this morning when I stepped up here, and uh, I would invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to do a little mini-series. You know, uh, it, I, I keep feeling like I'm, I'm champing at the bit. I've been, I was gone on sabbatical for a while, and I love to preach uh, expositionally through Scripture, and I'm, I'm waiting for that to come back, uh, eager to start that, and yet I felt that it was a, a, a good time to again focus on the joy and the reality of the season, the advent of Christ. I think it's really, really important because uh, as we're going to hope, as I'm going to hope to, to lead us through is the advent of Christ is two things and it ought to be two things for us. As you uh, think of moving through what we call the Christmas season, and I, uh, Laverne, thanks for sharing that last song because uh, it Christmas can only mean what it means when we know the rest of the story. That's the reality of it. Christmas doesn't mean anything. Uh, I mean, it, it can, but it, it ought not to mean anything to us apart from the fact that it's the beginning of God beginning to do the most amazing, wonderful thing that he was going to do among us here in our, on earth. The unfolding story of the gospel of Jesus Christ being brought to us. But there's always two things that should be, be happening when we think of the things of Christmas. When we think of what it means to say that Christ came. That's what the word Advent means. That Christ appeared. That Christ came to the scene. And it's always a, a looking back function. Because Christ came to earth in a way that changed everything for us. But it's also always a looking forward function. Because we are still in what I would call the advent of Christ, the waiting the coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, I would say, I would hope that we could say that with every bit of the longing that the Jewish people had for the Messiah to come the first time, we, the followers of Jesus Christ today, have a longing to say, Jesus, we need you desperately to come. So, I think it's worth our time. I'm roughly guiding our time together, at least as far as I will understand uh, through the next couple of weeks, the advent of Christ, in just recognizing that when God began to reveal Jesus, brought his Messiah to earth to us, that uh, angelic beings were involved, which are sometimes involved in Scripture, but they really came with a high frequency during a really short period of time. And to sort of uh, say, well, the messages they brought to, uh, to us uh, when they showed up, that there's something important going on. And so, uh, but it, we'll just t- kind of tell the story of the birth of Christ through the next couple of weeks using this. I'm going to start today in Matthew chapter 1. Let me read the verses to us. Uh, these are very familiar. One of the downsides and perhaps one of the times I, uh, reasons why I resist at times to uh, do this kind of stuff is these passages are so familiar to us, right? Like we just, we know them. So it's always my prayer. It's always my invitation to you to uh, to just, I, I like the way you put it, Laverne, to just sit back and relax and let the Lord bring freshness to the story. You already know it, but freshness. The reality is that this story has an impact on your life. Like right now, the middle of whatever's happening to you, it has an impact on your life right now. Will you, will you spend time trying to figure out what that impact is or allow the Holy Spirit to do. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, I didn't even tell you what I'm reading from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the story, the gospel story that begins to unfold in such a clear way when we come to the New Testament, the, the gospels, uh, what we call the gospels. When Jesus came here, when you came here, when you broke into our story, though you had always been a God who saves and always a God that they could depend upon and always the, the fortress that they could run to and always the, the giver of what was right and good and, and leading when we, when men would allow, always, always leading the story forward, you came in Jesus in a way that hadn't been done before. And it made all the difference. It makes all the difference for us. So would you teach us this morning from your word, Father? Help us afresh to see the beauty of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, all that that entails for us. Thank you. Thank you that you are still interested in leading us to a deeper understanding. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So each week what I'm hoping to do is just to not give you a whole bunch of points or a whole bunch of things, but to uh, simply make like one main point from, uh, from the text. The title will usually tell you what that main point's gonna be. So today, I think we wanna talk about Jesus being Emmanuel and what that means. I read you the text. There's one thing we should do before we jump into Jesus being Emmanuel. However, I think that we should at least establish that uh, who we're talking about to make sure that we have the, the right guy in mind. And, and there's, a, there's a verse here in this text that I think will, will help us with. The first thing the angel says to uh, Joseph when he's contemplating, how do I do this? How do I quietly divorce Mary? How do I quietly send her away? Because what's happening is, 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 is shameful. What I thought was, I don't know what he was thinking, but what I thought was, was, a, was a good thing coming about is not a good thing. And as he's contemplating that, he is visited by this angel. And the angel says, Mary is going to bear you a son and you shall call his name Jesus. You see, even though I'm going to make the whole point today that Jesus is Emmanuel, that wasn't actually his name. His name was Jesus. His name is Jesus, for he will save. And notice what he said, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, the Greek word uh, Jesus, what we're reading is Jesus, is the word Yesu. And it's based on the Hebrew word Yehoshua, which is in English, Joshua. Actually, just last week, as we talked about child dedication, we talked about a guy named Joshua, right? So one thing immediately happens when Joseph hears, you shall call his name Jesus, and he thinks of, he's a, he's a Jewish man, he thinks of, this is Joshua. And who is Joshua? Everybody who is Jewish knows who Joshua was. Joshua was the man who led his people into the promised land. He led his people into the promised land. And from that, immediately, as God says, you're going to have a son. His name is Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. There's Joshua kinds of things going on in their minds. 
Joshua, the man who led his people. Moses, by the way, by contrast, was unable to lead the people into the promised land. We talked about that a little bit last week. But you know, there's actually another Joshua in the Old Testament, another man that Jews would have known to be Joshua. The record tells us both, we, we read about it in the minor prophets, but uh, from Ezra and Nehemiah, we're reading about what's happening that time. When the remnant of Israel came back to Jerusalem and began to rebuild and temple worship began to take place again and, and the people of Israel began to regain their identity as God's people, the high priest at that time, his name was Joshua. Joshua is known as the man who began to restore the worship of God among the Jewish people in the place where God put his presence, Jerusalem. Now, keep those things kind of in mind. This is just, just, we're just establishing that this is Jesus. And if you want to add another title to it, because this is what it's leading to, this is the Messiah. This is the one that God has been promising will come. So really, in a sense, I think what we're really about to do is we're going to say, when God began to promise that he was going to do something, and he, this man was going to be the Joshua for for the people, and that this man was the Messiah, the promised one. What is that then? What does that mean? What is God intending to bring about? And that's, I think, what we're going to dig into, which is why I'm going to tell you today that what I want you to know from this text today, there are lots of things we could talk about. I could take you on lots of places. I could keep you here all afternoon. But I really just want to make one point, because the heart of the message that uh, the angel brought to Joseph was that God is beginning to unfold something that he talked about a long time before it ever happened through a man named Isaiah. And Matthew, the gospel writer, points this out. He says, all this is taking place to fulfill what the prophet had said. So let me just put that verse up there because this is where we're going to focus. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Which is put together with a couple of Hebrew words, which means... God with us. God imminently with us. Now, again, you know these things. You have sung Christmas songs about Jesus being Emmanuel. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Right? And they're waiting for it. And they're longing for it. And we, we think of these things and maybe sometimes a little too quickly think of, yes, that means Jesus means God is with us. But this morning I'd invite us again to just slow down and to rethink or to resettle in our minds. What does it really mean to say that little phrase, God with us? Because I'm suggesting to you that it means a whole lot more than some little phrase. If it's just a little phrase, or if it's not all that exciting, then I would suggest we're not thinking enough of God. We're not allowing ourselves to think highly enough, or big enough, or I don't know what other words to use, uh, in awe enough of who God is to say that God came here to be with us, that God dwelt among us. And this is who Jesus was. This is who Jesus was. We know this very clearly from, from Scripture. But let me just demonstrate to you again this morning, because I think I shouldn't just make statements and then trust that you're going to say, oh, okay, well, he said it. And I don't just say it because that's what I think. I say it because I think that's what Scripture teaches. 
You know, when Paul wrote his letter to the Colossians, and he wrote what I think are some of the most magnificent verses in all the Bible that talk about who Jesus was. You should read them. Colossians chapter 1, maybe start around verses 15 and go to verse 20. He uses the word all, uh, the little Greek word pos, all, like eight times in six verses to get us to see that Jesus is everything. But he ends that little, little section of text with these words. He kind of summarizes it up with these words. For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Everything you could think about God and who God is and what God is like could, could, was dwelling in Jesus. Now, that would be a great exercise for you. Uh, sometime this week or sometime this afternoon or sometime, if it takes you the rest of the month till, G- till Christmas comes, then you, like, like, allow your mind to dwell on everything that God, everything that God is. I'm telling you, you should not get to the end very quickly. If you do, then you should spend a whole lot more time with this and in, pres- in the presence of God, inviting him to show, reveal himself to you. Because God is much bigger than you and I often make him out to be. He's much greater. He's much more powerful. We have this problem when we hear the things over and over again that they, the word, they just become words in our heads. In Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. You know, when the writer of Hebrews began to write this in- incredibly important like, letter that just la- this lays out Jesus as the Jewish uh, Messiah and all the things he represents, he begins his letter this way. He says, you know, long ago, in many times and in various ways, God spoke through the prophets. But in these days, God is speaking to us through his son, through Jesus. And then he says this. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Now, those words there also could be deserving of an entire message, which I won't give you this morning. But take that home and sit with that for a while. What does it mean to say that Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature? We are created in the image of God. But Jesus is the exact imprint. Again, maybe it should take you more than just to Christmas. Maybe it should take you through the whole next year as you read the Word of God with a careful eye to all the ways you see God acting, all the ways you see Him moving, all the things you see Him doing, all the ways He displays His wonderful character, His incredible power, His eternity, His infiniteness, His, his always existentness, his, his ability to control not just like little things, but big things, his ability to stop the sun from moving during the daytime, and, and not just miraculous things, but his ability to just layer upon layer develop something that we someday look back and say, how did that all come about? And Jesus is the exact imprint. You know, Jesus himself actually said what I'm trying to help you see this morning. As he talked to his disciples in John chapter 14, he says, whoever has seen the Father, I'm sorry, whoever's seen me has seen the Father. You're looking at Jesus, you're looking at God. Now, again, I don't know what goes through your mind. I don't know how you think of these things. I don't know when you think of, like, God and all of his fullness coming and dwelling with I don't know what all th- where all your brain goes or how excited that is for you. If you have picked up from me this morning, I think it ought to be terribly exciting to you. I thought it should, I think it should be life-altering to you. Things like 
you know, in the beginning, there was like nothing, right? The earth, the earth was void, formless. Darkness lay over the... And then God spoke and their light came. And he separated things. And we... Lord, help us to fathom what that really... All that entails. We, I, I, I submit to you, we cannot conceive of things coming out of nothing. We don't know what that's like. We don't understand that. We, like, we can't, we can't process that. Right? But it's not just the creative power of God. It's the sustaining power of God. It's the enduring power of God. How about the perfect nature of God? In Him, is, He's light. In Him, there is no darkness. There's no darkness. You know, we don't know anything like that here. We don't know anything like that that is not spoiled or stained in some way by sin. We certainly don't know any people like that. But it's not just that. Because in the face of that, and then faced with a creation and a, and a, and a, and a pouring out of his image into his creation, that's, I'm talking about us, and then they thumb their nose and they say, I don't want anything to do with you, and they want to be like you, and they say, I'm, we're going to do our own thing, and they say, we're going to disobey you. In the midst of all of that, and this great gulf shows up between us where there's no longer the ability to have the, the fellowship and, and the connection, the oneness that God desired with his creation, us, and then in the midst of that, we have to come contemplate how incredibly patient and loving and merciful and graceful he is, which we also don't experience in any other form like God, like God has for us. And that came to be with us. Now, I'd like to stop for a little bit. As you, as, I'm not, not, like as you continue to think about that, I'd like to stop for a little bit in the middle of this message here. I actually, I was reminded, and it, I mean, it wasn't like a criticism for me, but I, I received it that way a little bit. I'm going to clear the screen so we're not looking. I was reminded that a long time ago, I used to be a cool pastor and do like object lessons and stories for kids. And I really don't do that anymore. So today I'd like to do one. So I can be, no, not to I can be cool again, but, but I think it's helpful. So children, if you want to, I, we don't actually have a ton of room up here, so I don't, if you want to sit on the floor, I don't know if you're okay with that, but if, if you want to come up here, I'd like to just spend a little time talking to you. And if you uh, care to, you come sit down up here. I have a little story to tell you. And when I do this, I'm guessing maybe some of you will consider yourselves children that aren't actually children. I feel like I should not be way up here. I feel like you guys all have to crane your necks to come to look up there. You guys gather in here, okay? Now, if you've been paying attention to what I've been talking about, you know I'm talking about Jesus when he came was God with us, right? That God came and lived um, among us. And if you've been also paying attention to what I've been talking about, I've been stressing how amazing God is and how big God is. And hopefully you guys know those kind of things. But as you think a little bit about in your brains, and you know the Christmas story, so this is not a surprise to you, but if you think a little bit in your, in your brains, just to let me help you imagine uh, some, a, a couple of things. If you think about if God, who is all-powerful and is the creator, and he's so big and majestic and, and uh, he's amazing, he's perfect in every way, if God was going to show up on earth, 
I think many times, if we're honest, we would think about that and say, well, I'm sure if God would come, he would be like a big king, right? Like he would make sure that he has servants that take care of him and he have soldiers standing around to protect him so that nobody could do anything to him. And he would, he would take power, right? He'd have maybe a really big throne that's full of, you know, of gold and would sit there. And, and he would get, because he could, could right? Because like he knows everything about us. So he could, he could order us around and say, well, if you would do this way and, and would sit on his throne and then probably people would come and say, oh, we want, we would maybe think that's how God would come, Right? Or maybe we'd think he would come as one of the most brilliant, scholarly, I don't know if you know what that word means, brilliant uh, minds that understands the things of God and would become this like maybe really, really good preacher guy who would come and everybody would just know that when you listen to him, it's like we're listening to God himself. And everything he says is so right and helps us understand things and and everyone would just flock to him because he would know, he would, he would, he would be such a, such, a, such a powerful religious man that people would know, this guy knows how to take me, connect me with God, right? If God would come as a human, that would, be, that would, that would make some sense to us too. Or maybe if I come to today's terms, maybe, maybe when God would come, maybe he would be really famous in some way so that everyone would want to pay attention to him. And he could start uh, maybe a YouTube channel or a, a Twitter account. I don't, I don't, that'd be something. You're like, oh, he wouldn't do that, right? But he would be an influencer, right? Because there are people like that, that, they, that people follow them and they can say things and everyone's like, oh, and, and all these people are following. And it's instantaneous to get all this word out to all these people. Surely if God would come today in human form, he would become a, a great influencer through technology in some way we might imagine, right? But you guys know the Christmas story, don't you? When God came, he didn't come like that at all, did he? Now, you may be wondering why I have these here. Maybe that's actually why you walked up here. I don't know. <laughs> One of my favorite things about Christmas is the Christmas candy. And if you know anything about me, you know that I love chocolate. And I love Hershey's Kisses. And Christmas seems like a great time to eat Hershey's Kisses. So I brought a bag with me today. And I thought maybe if I have enough in here, we can share. You want a, you want a carrot? That was unexpected, wasn't it? You expected to see Hershey's Kisses in here, didn't you? And the problem is there's carrots in here. You know, when Jesus came, when God came to be with us in Jesus, it was very unexpected. He came to a young woman who wasn't even married yet, and something that everyone knew was a very shameful thing. That's how he came. And he came. And he came. And when he was born, almost no one found out about it. He wasn't born in a hospital or some clean place. He was born in a stable. You guys know the story. 
he had to leave, like him and his parents had to leave home for a while after he was born because somebody wanted to kill him. This is not how we would expect God to come, unexpected. And I want to tell you today two things. One, God is still with you, but sometimes it's unexpected, and it's in unexpected ways. Sometimes it's not how you think it's going to be. So don't too quickly wrinkle your nose when you get carrots instead of Hershey's Kisses. The second thing I want to tell you is sometimes in those unexpected ways, kind of like in this bag, this is actually better for me, right? I may be disappointed when, when I open the bag, but it's actually better for me to eat carrots than Hershey's Kisses. And when God shows up in our life, it may not always be how we expect it to be, but it will be better for us than the way we thought it should happen. All right. You may go back to your seats, and I'm going to finish my message. Thank you. I don't like throwing people under the bus, but this morning, there was an adult here who wondered if they were going to get some of my Hershey's Kisses, and I said, you can have them after the service today if you still want them. You know, the two things I just shared with the kids, the lessons are equally true for every one of you. And the reality is, my hope is, my intention is that for you adults who are not sitting up here and listening to the story, you know, we can all laugh and chuckle and see the reality. But for us, it often takes a whole different context because we've lived life. Like we've had disappointments. We've had Jesus show up in ways that we weren't expecting to. We've found out that later after the fact that God was showing up, but we didn't see it at the time because it was not what we thought. We thought we were getting the raw end of the deal. So it takes a whole different twist, but it doesn't make it any less true, does it? As you and I prepare for Christmas and the Advent of celebrating the Advent of Christ, I invite you to think about how God is with you. And how that may not be how you expect it to be, even today. Let me walk us through a little bit of recap and make the connection I said earlier I was going to make. You know, John began his gospel in a powerful way. I'm not going to read all the verses, but as, as he comes to the sort of what I call the conclusion of his opening, wonderful opening of the coming of Jesus Christ, he ends it this way, that the word became flesh. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. He tabernacled. He established his presence among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. When Jesus came into the world as a baby, this is what was happening. The word of God, God himself coming in flesh and dwelling among us. How precious is that coming? But you know, 
in very similar language after Jesus gave up his life and he was put in the ground and God brought him back up out of that ground to declare that he is truly the son of God and the Messiah and the Joshua who will lead you to the promised land and the high priest who will connect you with God once for all that peace may truly be among all those upon whose favor rests. And when he came and talked to his disciples again and he said, I'm going to leave again. I'm going to go to heaven, but I'm going to send the, or the father will send the Holy Spirit when I leave. He said very similar kinds of words. We know them as the great commission, but see the overlay, see the similarity, see the parallel. When in Matthew 28, Jesus said, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God is still with us. What he introduced in the baby coming in, in the manger scene and, and the life of Christ, he continued to do when Jesus said, I'm going to be with you all the time, always to the end. And thankfully, that's the place where we live now, but thankfully we can open our Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 21 towards the very end of the book and we can read these words that John saw in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God, excuse me, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. You see, surely, surely the advent of Christ, we understand that Jesus came and he was God with us. And this Christmas, you and I should celebrate that. We should recognize what a monumental thing God did by sending himself. And surely it should be a reminder to us that when Jesus did the work that he was sent to do here on earth, God with us here on earth, when he accomplished the work that he was sent to do, he said, I'm leaving. My Father is sending my, our, our very own presence to live inside of you. And surely I will be with you. I am still with you all the way to the end when time will cease, when there will be no more time. I'm with you. I'm still with you. Surely, as we contemplate the reality or the implication of the work of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ that was begun when God with us came to be with us, that that means something to us today, that we're living in that story, that we are part of that story, or to borrow a gospel phrase, that we are witnesses of that story, that God is with us. Surely, we must contemplate that as we celebrate Christmas. And for sure, brothers and sisters, as we celebrate around the tree with presents or whatever else we do with our families, as we think about the glory, the majesty, the beauty of Christmas, without a doubt, if this is not part of it, then we're missing the heart of Christmas. We will look to the fact and understand the fact and build our lives around the fact and in fact cry out for this to happen that sometime soon Jesus is coming again and God will be with us in a way that we have never even been able to, like, understand. And we need that. For like there was darkness before Jesus came the first time, we live in a time of darkness and deception. 
and pain and suffering. And increasingly so, as the Bible says it will happen in the last days, things will go from bad to worse. Come, Lord Jesus, come. God, we need you to be with us in a way that you're not with us now. You're with us in the, in the spirit, but in a way that, that to set all things right, to make these verses come true. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Jesus is truly Emmanuel, and we want to see Emmanuel again. God, thank you so much for our time together this morning. Prepare our hearts. As we have a season given to us that we set aside, prepare our hearts truly. Help us to contemplate what it meant for you to come. What it means for you to be with us through the Spirit and what we are waiting for, for the second advent of Christ. May our hearts be cheered and undergirded. May they be strengthened and empowered. May we be resolved to yet again continue to stay faithful, to know that we shall do what you, our master, has called us to do until you return. For that is what will be the, the one who will be hearing the words, well done, good and faithful servant. May it strengthen our feeble knees. May we encourage one another with these words. Jesus came, Jesus' spirit is here, and Jesus is coming again. Jesus is Emmanuel, so when that happens, God is with us. We praise you, Father. We thank you, Father. We hide ourselves in you, Father. We cry out to you, may that day come. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand this morning? like to give you a benediction, release you in the favor and the presence of God. Father, thank you for the promise that your spirit is here. And so I ask you for you to fill us with that spirit, the very presence of Christ, that we may carry in us and among us as a body the reality of Jesus Christ, God with us. And I mean that very practically, Father. Like, Today, this afternoon, tomorrow, when we wake up and do whatever we do on Mondays, we go to work, we, whatever we do, that we would be caring, consciously caring about God with us, you inside of us. We praise you. We ask you to make a difference in our world, in our lives, in our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace today.